Welcome to the Street Sessions, the new business podcast brought to you by Streets Chartered Accountants. I'm James Pinchbeck, the firm's marketing partner, and I'll be hosting this session in which I talk to Mike Strong, who is an account director with the Wilson Organisation or Insurance and Financial Advisors. Many of you may well also know this third generation family business through their work with family businesses and through their hosting of the Midlands Family Business Awards. The focus of our discussion will be on the business interruption insurance in light of the pandemic and the recent judgment by the Supreme Court relating to the provision of such cover. It is then a pleasure, Mike, to have you join us for this episode. Welcome. Hello, James. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to participating in a podcast. Hopefully I can uh, maintain your high standard. I'm sure you'll do impeccably well uh, and look forward to asking you a few uh, questions around the, the interruption insurance. Perhaps then we may start with, uh, recently in the media has been news of the Supreme Court's rejection that with the exception of a few policies, business interruption insurance claims could not be made or awarded in respect of the COVID-19 and the pandemic. Perhaps we could start by looking at what led to to the Supreme Court's judgment, and then what the outcome would mean for those businesses looking to make claims for financial loss as a result of COVID-19-related business interruption, primarily perhaps due to being forced to close. It's a difficult scenario. The FCA, Financial Conduct Authority, took a case to the courts suggesting that some policies, not all by any means, had provision to deal with COVID-19 potential business interruption claims. Now, they won that case, so the media and all the little guys who had these jumped up and down and said, hooray. The insurers involved, and there was about a dozen of them, appealed. So it went all the way to the Supreme Court, where again, the policyholders won, which was great. However, the media, to a certain degree, have blown this out of proportion in what really is available to policyholders. And it does come down to what's in the wording. Most policies that will respond to this will have specific disease or pandemic extensions on them. They aren't common. And as such, if you don't have those type of clauses written into your policy, you're pretty much stopped from progressing any claim with a chance of having it met by your insurers. It doesn't stop you making a claim, but you know, policies that have specific clauses are designed to respond. Policies that have clauses without COVID-19 being mentioned clearly won't respond, primarily because no one knew that COVID was coming around the corner. So on that basis, I think you're saying some businesses may be able to make claims for business interruption insurance and some may find that they're not able to make a claim for financial compensation. Is that is that correct? That's correct. First of all, they've got to have business interruption cover in their policy. Secondly, that section of cover has to be extended to have this disease or pandemic clause written into it. Now, as I said, it's not common and the cover given under the clause is very often restricted in either time duration when payments can be looked at or amounts of payments or both. So it really does come down to 
what does your policy say? I suppose moving on to that from there, if you're looking to make a claim, I suppose it's a bit like the first time one makes a claim for car insurance. It's not always perhaps as straightforward. What What is the process for making a, a claim for uh, business interruption losses? Generally, a business interruption loss would follow damage to your property, a material damage loss. In these cases, that doesn't have to have happened. To make a claim, you would have to notify your insurer of your wish to make a claim. Most times, insurers are now operating on 24-hour call centres to at least start the claims process. So a phone call to them, explain the situation, and they will then take it from there. They will require substantial amounts of information to support your claim, but only if you have the necessary extensions to your policy. And what basis do insurers determine the quantum for a claim uh, for a loss of income or profit? Uh, And is it income or is it profit? Or or on what basis do they award uh, a financial payment? Well, different policies deal with business interruption on different basis. Some will deal with gross profit. Some will deal with generated revenue. Profit is generally a manufacturing type industry where you can clearly define what your gross profit is. Revenue tends to be more office-based. Say a solicitor would have a revenue-generated business interruption policy. Metal workers, probably gross profit. To calculate gross profit in a very, very abbreviated way, is sales less the cost of sales. There are a few other small items in there uh, which come more important the larger you get. But in a very broad way, that's how a gross profit would be calculated by insurers. And I think what you have to bear in mind is that the amount of gross profit taken by the client has to be substantiated by their books. So they can't just pluck a figure out of the air. If a claim is to be made, it has to be substantiated. And if we go back to the COVID-19, the policies generally have a pound value on the extension. Could be 50,000, some are 250,000, but they're not open-ended. They are generally restricted to a specific pound value for these type of extensions. And also with that, presumably it's the reference point is uh, comparative previous years or, or period of time. So there's an assessment on, on that basis, is there? Yeah, in this incident, one, you'd have to, I think, substantiate that the gross profit figure you were using or had estimated at the renewal was correct. And if, if that is then correct, you would have to use, I would say, the previous 12 months, unless there were exceptional circumstances, to show how the company had operated in the period where it was affected by COVID-19, to bring that forward to your claim value. And that's how insurers would have to look at it. But as I said, they may have a restriction of the most they will pay under this clause is 50,000. So if you've lost 250,000, but the clause says maximum payment 50, you'll only get 50. Typically, what is the period of entitlement for a claim? I think in terms of that, I mean, in terms of, you know, some claims can cover 
a, a, or, or, or policies probably cover a longer period. So I think that's more in a business disaster or business recovery where there's been a fire that, that there may be a, a longer payment period because you're getting back into business where perhaps we're talking a very, about a very discrete period of time. And is it just for a period of time which the financial loss has been occurred due to a specific event or circumstance or, or might it cover a longer period and, and if so, on what basis? Generally, if we put COVID aside to one for one minute, if you have business interruption claim, when you renew the policy, you set out a period which would be 12, 18, 24 or 36 months of the general period levels when you feel that your gross profit could be affected by a major event. And that generally means that if you have a fire on day one, the indemnity period you should choose should be long enough to get you back to the situation of day one minus one. So if it was going to take you three years to get your factory rebuilt, all the machinery in there, your clients back, all the goodwill, etc., etc., paying all the staff, to take three years, you would need a 36-month indemnity period on your policy. If you feel as an educated operator in the market, it can be done for less than that, well, that is a choice that you make. Most insurance intermediaries would suggest that you really need to be looking at 18, probably 24 as an absolute minimum, because we just don't know. COVID came around the corner. If you'd had a fire the day before it suddenly launched itself and no one was manufacturing your machines, your 12-month period might have been and gone and the insurance companies finished paying you. So, you know, indemnity periods are a vital part of the business interruption section of a policy. With regard to COVID-19, well, we have the time periods involved. And if a claim's made, then within the limits set in the clause, and they're probably defined, as I said, as a time period or a monetary value, that is what would restrict any claim being made or at what time scales it could be made they're quite defined in those two categories time and money and it varies between insurers what levels they put on in their policies looking at when we're making a claim are there any potential pitfalls in in, in making a claim and, and how might they be overcome i suppose there are often some typical ones that people make or present themselves with business interruption i, I think the biggest problem that people face leaving aside covid is getting the indemnity period as i've said correct and the actual amount of cover correct what you don't want to do is to have a a five hundred thousand pound cover when your gross profit is really a million in some hope that you will save premium because insurers will look at that in a rather dim light and apply average to claims which could halve the value that you're paid of the sum insured you have so it's vitally important to one calculate your gross profit on an annual basis correctly and then look at the timescales involved between major incident and full recovery and see what is the best for you. You need to get these right. I would suggest that having a a broker or intermediary who deals with this regularly is probably a wise course of action because they can advise what you should consider when you make your choice. Leading on from that, Mike, on what basis might an insurer reject a claim? And then that, I suppose there could be a, a total rejection 
and a rejection of a uh, an application or, or, or claims process, I suppose. So, but it's not an outright rejection, but it's actually you have perhaps not given the right information. Uh, and what can people do about that? Right. <clears throat> when when you place your, your claim, the insurer will start asking you to produce information. First of all, we're assuming, shall we, that you've got some insured right and indemnity period right. You've got to, on most policies, and I'm not including COVID in this, have had an event that causes material damage to your assets, a fire, an explosion, impact with a vehicle. That then means the physical damage would probably be dealt with under the policy, and you can then move to having a business interruption claim. You can't have a business interruption claim except in the circumstances like COVID, without there being material damage to the property, in very general terms. I mean, there are always small policies, endorsements, but generally that's the fixed rule. Insurers will ask for information. You have to supply it. Probably have to, if, if it's a substantial business interruption, involve your accountant, because they will be better able to pull the figures together, I suspect, in a format that they understand the insurers want than most policyholders, because that's what the accountants are really there for, to help them with the figure work. They would also help if a forensic actuary is sent in on the business interruption side, who's asking highly technical questions. My best suggestion is use a broker, use your accountant, make sure you've got your sums insured right, and make sure that any questions raised by the insurers are relevant to the policy and not leading you down a path that you don't need to go down. I suppose we've hopefully been successful in in submitting a claim. The insurers have made an offer, perhaps I might call it, uh, for us, might call it a settlement or a payment. Should should a claimant expect some negotiation around or mediation around the potential settlement or claim uh, being awarded? Insurers will put forward an offer that using the terms of the policy, they feel adequately fits with their duties under the policy. That may not be exactly what the client is hoping for, but it will be what the insurer thinks they have to pay. With with a a good broker and your accountant's help, you may be able to point out to them that they've missed something or the office too small or they really haven't factored in some of the information that you've given them. So it's always better to be dealing through intermediaries, in my opinion, than directly with the insurer. And brokers like Wilson Organisation, we have a specific claims facility for our clients where people deal with nothing but claims. So they're not distracted with, you know, another firm adding a car or putting up a new building. They just deal with claims. And that really is my best advice. Deal with an intermediary who has specific claims staff who are well trained in it and they will get the best support because the insurance company is going to try and settle a claim on the basis they believe is correct. Unfortunately, in 40 years, they do on occasion make mistakes. In terms of we've we've had a settlement and we've got an agreement, how long might the process be for somebody from making a claim to receiving funds? And I suppose that's a 
a bit of a, a million dollar question or how long was a piece of string uh, it will depend on all sorts of circumstances but i suppose what would be reasonable or, or could be expected it is a piece of string but if it's a substantial claim there are many insurers who will make interim payments if, if they feel that say the claim's going to be half a million pounds it's unreasonable for them to say we're not going to give you any money till everything's sorted and finished and then we'll pay you what they may do and with your broker's suggestion or with the help of the accountant, make an interim payment because they know the claim will be bigger than the payment they make. So they would have to make it anyway. And it's a good will gesture to make some form of interim £150,000 to get you over the initial problem. And then we can make another payment as we get further down the line. So the company isn't trying to recover from a serious event and having no money. So interim payments are quite common and they can be several of them through the course of a claim which could last two or three years because that's how long it takes to get the company back up on its feet. I think we've already chatted, you've talked about some of the benefits or the differences between a, a direct insurer and the use of an insurance broker. And, and often for me, I think some of these scenarios play out when actually you need to make a claim. Um, but I think it would be useful just if you would like to just talk about, you know, the viewpoint on the difference in in approach and, and from a client's perspective, the benefits? Well, if you have a, an intermediary, they will look at the insurers who are favouring that industry in the market when they place you with them. They also act as a go-between between you and the insurer. If you deal direct with the insurer and they say, no, we're not going to pay your claim, that's it. You then have to consider whether you take legal action or go to the FCA insurance ombudsman and fight your corner by yourself if you have an intermediary they will help you with all of that you know as i've said before wilson's have people with many years experience who have shown insurers that perhaps they're not reading their own policies correctly and there is a payment to be made and on many occasions we are successful with that i feel it's always best for the policyholder to have someone on their side when they're fighting a big insurer. What do you see as the, perhaps the lasting or future impact on a business that has made a claim for business interruption insurance? Insurance is set up to deal with problems and disasters. If you make a claim on your policy, you aren't doing anything wrong. You've paid a premium. The insurer has agreed to cover certain sets of circumstances and put you back in the position you were before the event happened. Insurers, I feel, would probably prefer to have one big claim than 10 or 20 small claims in a year, purely because of administration costs, etc, etc. So if you have a big claim, you might have a small rate rise the next year, not in this particular climate, but generally. If you have lots of claims, they almost certainly would put a rate rise on because they're paying out a lot of money in administering the claims over and above the payments that should come from the policy. So people shouldn't be afraid to claim, but if they are starting to see a lot of claims in a certain field, in motor insurance or employer's liability, it is something that they should perhaps talk to their broker about or the insurer who will give them advice on how they may look at that and change it. Look at their risk assessments, look at their training for staff, have they given training on lifting, use of forklift trucks, 
Do they do risk assessments of the property? All of these type of things will improve a risk. I would say don't be afraid to claim because that's why you're paying your money. And that is where insurance companies stand up and are counted. They give you a piece of paper, you pay a lot of money for it, and you want it to work if something goes wrong. So there's nothing that says if you claim we won't talk to you and we'll penalise you for the rest of your business life. That's not part of the contract. So don't be afraid to claim. If you've got a broker, talk it through with them. They should give you the best advice they can. And even you know if it gets to be a really big claim, look at appointing a loss assessor to act on your behalf with the insurer. Lots of them about, they will charge a fee. But if that fee is less than some element that's missed, it's worth the money. But don't be afraid to claim. That's what you've paid your premium for. Thank you, Mike. Uh, That's really helpful. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Street Sessions and for your insight into business interruption insurance and the pandemic. If you would like further information or guidance relating to this topic, please contact Michael Strong at info at willorg.com. For further information on Streets Chartered Accountants, please visit streetsweb.co.uk or email info at streetsweb.co.uk. Thank you also to you for listening. We look forward to catching up with you again soon in future sessions.